Yeah, upstaged already. <laughs> um, a few years back, we had a class on, adult class on eschatology, end time prophecy. And uh, it was pretty well attended. And what I would do is every, every week I'd pass out like four or five or six pages um, to what we were talking about that day. So at the end of it, we had about close to 300 pages. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to start with chapter one and we'll take a 15 minute break for lunch. <laughs> and, uh, but um, it was pretty well attended. And uh, since that time, I've had people ask questions. You know, um, you know when's, the, when's the second coming going to happen? Uh, is the Antichrist here now? Um, just a, you know, general questions about it. And these questions aren't really new. Um, they've happened since the first century. And uh, so I just want to, today, what I want to do is uh, just talk about some questions that, that have been raised about, you know, like where we're at, what's happening now, and all that. Um, and maybe put your mind at ease a bit, maybe, if you're anxious about things. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about how you study prophecy. Before that, let's, let's pray and get started here. Father God, we thank you for this time together. Uh, we just ask that my words be your words, Father, that you would have the message relayed that you want relayed, uh, have your church maybe study your word more, Father, and understand things better. We just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so these questions aren't new. Um, and just out of curiosity, I did a little search online about uh, church, church leaders through the ages that thought they were going to see the apocalypse or, or the second coming. Um, Martin Luther did in 1600. He, you know, he thought the world couldn't get any worse, so it's going to happen pretty soon. Uh, Cotton Mather, if you know your history, who Cotton Mather is. He was in 1736, and he thought that. John Wesley, 1836, thought that uh, he, he was going to see the apocalypse or see the second coming. Uh, George Rapp. Who's George Rapp? Anybody know? Nobody? Old economy. Okay. 1836. His society was based on the fact that you know, the end was near kind of thing. Um, Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, Hal Lindsey, all these guys have, have thought that. Um, and what do, what do they all have in common, all these people? They were wrong. Okay. <laughs> it didn't happen yet. Um, so I want to talk about a little bit about that. Um, so the first, um, the, the basic two questions. Uh, when's the second coming going to happen? And uh, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist. Uh, and these two topics really aren't discussed all that much in scripture per se. You can put the, the slides up if you would. Okay, Christ's second coming. First Thessalonians uh, 4, 17. Uh, after that, we, we are still alive and our hero will be left to, and left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we, we will be with uh, the Lord forever. That's the second coming. Okay, that's the rapture. That one verse really is all it's pretty much what's in the scripture. That's about it. What's the next, uh, next slide? Okay, Revelations. Uh, it talks about the mark of the beast. 
uh, it will also be forced on all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their forehead, uh, so they could, they could not buy or sell unless they have the mark, which is the name of the beast and the number of his name. Now, we just lived through the COVID thing, and I had, I had a lot of people ask me, do you think the COVID thing is the mark of the beast? Because you couldn't buy or sell, you had to get the shot and all that stuff. And no, it's, it wasn't. It might be a dry rhyme for it. You know, it had like a lot of the same, it kind of rhymed with what scripture talks about, uh, but that's not it. Now, as an aside, uh, this, is, this is free of charge, this isn't part of, the, part of the message at all, but there is something coming that is a pretty good candidate for the mark of the beast, and that's the digital currency. Uh, you know, I've seen ads where people, you know, lady walks up to the grocery store, has her groceries, and goes to the, goes to the checkout thing and puts her palm under the, the scanner and it's paid for and she walks out and she's all smiles like, this is so convenient. Well, it might be convenient, but everything you do, every transaction you make, every, di every dime you spend gets, gets recorded somewhere. So there's no more giving your buddy 10 bucks for this or that because he bought you, you know, and, and, and the insidious part of it is, is, is that if everything's tracked, someone, somebody somewhere somehow can say, hey, your car uses too much gas, you can't buy gas anymore. So you go to the gas pump and you, you, you can't get gas. Or, you know, we don't like you buying guns or whatever, you name it. They choose what you buy and sell, okay? And the, uh, the World Economic Forum is talking about cash or money that has a shelf life. So you put money in a bank for a rainy day, it sits there long enough and somebody says, you don't need that, we're taking it. It just goes away. So all that money you save for a rainy day, it doesn't rain anymore. You know? And what it does is it makes you, it makes you a slave. You know, if you, have, if you can't, accu uh, can't accumulate wealth, you, know, you can't better yourself. And this is, and, and Fed, our Fed is talking about it now, the Federal Reserve is talking about doing this or working on it. Um, you, need to, you need to push back a little bit when that starts to happen. And in Europe right now, there's, I think, four or five cities in, in England that are already, already doing this. And it's not being met well, but that's an FYI. That's, that's, that's an aside. That's free, what we're talking about here. So you can, as a bonus. <laughs> um, but these, these two verses really talk about, and that's pretty much the extent of what's in Scripture about uh, the second coming and uh, the mark of the beast. Um, so in the class I taught, you know, it, well, I'll do it this way. If you think of end-time prophecy, what book do you think of in the Bible that has end-time prophecy? Revelation, right? Okay. And you're right, except for uh, end-time prophecy is scattered all through Scripture, everywhere. And little clues, it may, it may not say, hey, this is going to happen in the last days, but there's clues that, that kind of tie into something else, it ties into some, something else. And if you read the whole book, you get a, big, a bigger picture. An example of that would be, in Revelation, where it talks about uh, the, the, four horse, the, four, the four horses of the apocalypse. You've all heard that, right? They're all different colors, and whites for death, and all this. And you read that, okay, well, that's interesting, but what's, what's it really mean? Well, if you go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah talks about uh, the, same, the same prophecy and the same imagery, really. In Jeremiah, the horses have chariots behind them. But in Jeremiah, it tells you where the horses go. So the horse for famine goes to a certain area of the world. 
So you can read Jeremiah and in, in conjunction with Revelation and know, okay, you're going to have famine here. And it's pretty, it's pretty interesting if you tie it all together. And without, without studying the, the scriptures, you wouldn't see it or wouldn't know it. Um, it's pretty interesting, I think. So you can go to the next, next slide if you would. Holy Spirit, okay. Um, there's a certain amount of fear or anxiety attached to thinking about the end times, like what's going to happen now or happen next, whatever. And the antidote for fear or concern is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is our protector, okay? our, our, our guide, our, you know, our, our teacher, our advocate. And the first, the first scripture about the Holy Spirit is in John 14, uh, 12, or, yeah, John 14, 12 to 14. Uh, Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me and does, will do my works that I have been doing and will do, and will do even greater things that, uh, than these because I am going to the Father and I will, do, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Uh, you, may ask, you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Well, that's a pretty comforting thing. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of power given to the, to the Christian, to the believer, through the Holy Spirit. What's the next slide? Uh, okay, John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he, he, will give me, he will give you another advocate to help you and will be with you forever. Okay, so Christ is saying when he, when he ascends, uh, the Holy Spirit will be sent uh, to... You know, we're, we're, we, have, we have Christ with us through the Holy Spirit. So whatever Christ could do, then we can do, he, he, he still does now for us. Next verse. But the advocate, this is John 14, 26, uh, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, will testify about me. So what's that verse saying, really? That verse is saying that you know, the Holy Spirit will tell you, you know, what Christ would do, what you should do if you're in Christ. He'll lead you that way. You know, uh, you know, he'll give you the words to say kind of thing. What's the next one? Okay, Acts 8, 15 through 17. This is talking about the early church. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new, the new believers uh, that, there might be, that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had, had not yet come on any of them. Uh, they simply had been baptized in the name of the, of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's interesting. What, what does that remind you of? Anything? Well, when you come to the altar to be anointed for something, this kind of lays out, you know, the Holy Spirit is, what's a better word, transported? Uh, you know, you, you probably lay hands on people you know, for the Holy Spirit to, be, to do his work. I find that kind of interesting, actually. So we know that now that the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is you know, our, our guide, our advocate, our support 
really. You know, our support on, in this world uh, to do the Father's will. Um, so that's a small, that's kind of the basis of all of, of, of this message, basically. That kind of uh, should allay fears. You know, it should give you comf comfort that, you know, whatever goes on around in the, uh, whatever goes on in the world around you really isn't, it might be concerning, it might be discomforting, but we shouldn't have any fear about it because, you know, we have the author within us, basically. And we, we're, we're protected, protected from the world around us in, in many ways. Um, so you can do the next slide. Oh, okay, this is a, uh, in 2 Timothy uh, 1 through 14, 1, 1 14. Uh, guard the good deposit that is entrusted to you. Guard it with uh, the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Okay. So, what's, what's, what's Paul saying? He's saying, you know, guard what was given to you, understand what was given to you, because the Holy Spirit lives in us. You know, he lives with us and in us. Now the next slide. Okay, we're going to start uh, talking a little bit about the prophecy part of this. Now, given the basis that we have the Holy Spirit and you know, we shouldn't fear things happening, um, tradition uh, says that David's, David's tabernacle, Solomon's temple, and Herod's temple were built on the Temple Mount. This is the Dome of the Rock or the Mosque of Omar that's on the Temple Mount in uh, Jerusalem. And people wondered, you know, if you've heard that, well, the temple's going to be rebuilt in the, before Christ comes and all that, or after Christ, or in the Indian days. And people often wondered, well, how do you, how do you get the, the Muslims gracefully off the Temple Mount to rebuild the temple? You don't. Okay? They're not leaving, <laughs> uh, of their own accord, at least. Um, but the, the, the plateau, you've seen the pictures of the plateau, and it, the, the mosque is prominent. It sits on a rock that they, the tradition says that, um, that Isaac was going to be sacrificed by Abraham. You know, where the, and, the, and, and you know, God gave him a goat instead and all that. That's, that's the place where tradition says it happened, under the, under the Dome of the Rock. Um, so part of this is, now the reason I brought this up is, this ties back to Daniel, in the book of Daniel. Daniel 12, 11, uh, says that the animal sacrifice will be stopped um, by the Antichrist halfway through the tribulation. Well, for the for animal sacrifice to be stopped, it had to be restarted, so it had to be a temple, okay? So scripture says there'll be a second, a second or a third temple, I should say, really. Uh, but how do you do that? Well, uh, now also remember in, in, in Matthew uh, 24, 2, Mark 13, 2, uh, Luke 19, 44, you can look these up later if you want to, Jesus tells his disciples, and they walk out of the, they walk out of the temple, and he says, there won't be a rock left in place at the temple. But yet, if you look at the pictures, uh, there's the, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. Yeah, there's walls all around the, the Temple Mount. Well, was, was Jesus wrong about that? Um, this, is, this has bothered 
this has bothered people for a while, really. Um, you can go to the next temple now if you want. The next slide, please. Okay. Well, here's a, there's clues. This, this is the part that you just study, you study scripture to learn. There are clues all through scripture. And one of the, one of the clues, there, there are a couple, but one of the clues is in 1 Kings uh, 1, 38 and 39, where it says, so Zodak the prince and Nathan the prophet and Beniah, the son of Josiah, um, the, the Karite, and the, those guys, went, to, <laughs> went down and had Solomon, uh, Solomon mount King David's mule and escorted him, escorted him to Gihon. And Zodak the prince took a horn of oil from the sacred tent, anointed Solomon, and then sounded the trumpet, and all the people shouted, long live King Solomon. Now this is at, at, at the death of David, and Solomon, Solomon became the king. So they anointed him at, well, the tent they're talking about it is the tabernacle. And tradition says the, taber the tabernacle was built, where, or the, the temple was built where the tabernacle was by David, uh, by Solomon, rather, and then again by Herod in the time of Christ. Well, there's a clue here. And this is the, the thing about studying, about studying scripture. It says they took him to Gihon. Well, what's Gihon? Anybody know? Okay. Gihon is a spring in Jerusalem. You can go to the next slide. It's the only source of water in Jerusalem at the time. And the spring of Gihon, if you look at that, that picture there, it's on the, the bottom uh, left-hand corner where the temple is. Picture of the temple there in the end. The spring of Gihon flowed out of the temple wall. And you have uh, Tactus, uh, a historian. You have Josephus, Roman historian. And they all described a, a, spring, a spring coming from the temple. Okay? Well, guess what? On the Temple Mount, there's no spring. All right? Uh, they've done a lot of research now, and they've actually found uh, temple-like things buried to the west of the Temple Mount. And the Temple Mount itself, they think, was a, a Roman fort, as pictured here. So you could rebuild the temple, if this is correct, you could rebuild the temple without taking the mosque off the, the Temple Mount. So what's that mean? Well, that means that you could rebuild, rebuild the temple almost any time. Okay? So that explains how in, how in Daniel, if you're going to stop animal sacrifice, the animal, the animal, animal sacrifice would need to begin before you could stop it. And if the temple was built, if this, if this is if they're correct about where it was, you could build the temple anytime. So all that could take place immediately. You know, for the longest time, people thought, well, you can't do anything until the temple, temple mount's cleared off of the mosque and all that. You can't build a temple there with the mosque. So something bad has to happen, basically. Well, it doesn't. You can, you can do it now. Um, so you go to the next slide, if you would. This is the part that's kind of interesting. Uh, Daniel 9, 25 through 27. And there's the angels talking to Daniel. It says, know and understand this, that from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until the anointed one, the ruler comes, and there will be seven, seven sevens and 62 sevens, and it will be rebuilt, and the streets 
the streets were the trench, but this, but this is the time of trouble, meaning during the, the tribulation. In Daniel, there's a thing called seven, 70 weeks, okay? And what the angel told Daniel here is that from, from the time the word goes out to restore Jerusalem. Now, we've talked about before, Cyrus uh, was, a, was the, the Persian king, um, and he sent the, the Israelites back to Jerusalem to rebuild it out of captivity. So from the time that the, the, the temple was, uh, Jerusalem was ordered to re, 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 be rebuilt, there would be a certain time until the crucifixion, which is, we talk about the anointed one. Um, so there's a start date and there's an end date in this, this first verse. Um, after, after 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death, the crucifixion, and will have nothing, and the people of the, people of the ru ruler will come and destroy the, the city and the sanctuary, and the end will come like a flood, and the war will continue until the end. Desolation has been decreed. Go to the next slide. Next slide. There we go. And he will confirm a covenant uh, with covenant with many for one seven, meaning uh, seven years. And in the middle of the seven, three and a half years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering at the temple, and he will be he will set up his, uh, the abomination that causes desolation until the end is decreed and poured out. Go to the next slide. Okay, Second Thessalonians, concerning the. Concerning the coming of our Lord, we use this for the call to worship. Concerning the coming of our Lord, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, and our being gathered to him, uh, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not be easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by prophecy or by the word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Do not let, do not let anyone deceive you in any way, uh, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, and the, the, man, the man doomed to destruction. Next slide. For he will oppose and exalt himself above everything that is called God or is worshipped. Uh, he will set himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember we told these things when I was with you? Uh, I used to tell you these things. And know that, uh, know that what is holding him back, the one who uh, will be... And, know, and now you know uh, that what is holding him back so that uh, the man will be re revealed at the proper time. Uh, the secret power of the lawlessness is already at work in the world, but uh, the one who holds him back will be continue, to hold, continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. I, I, I chopped that up, and I apologize. But what it's saying is um, yeah, the end won't come. The, the end won't come until the lawless ones, lawless ones revealed, and they can't be revealed until the one holding him back is taken out of the way. So who's who's holding him back? Holy Spirit, right? And where's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's in us. So what it's saying is, people have asked the question about the second coming. You know, when will the church be taken up? Well, the answer is that we won't. According to this, we won't see the tribulation, not because. You know, the Antichrist can't be revealed until we're not, until we're not here, okay? So uh, it's a long walk for a, sh for, for a short point, perhaps, but what these scriptures say 
you know, we've, we've bounced around through, you know, three or four places in scripture to tell the story, basically. Um, you know, we talked about Daniel. Uh, we've talked about the Gospels. Uh, you heard the prophecy in Daniel about, you know, the lawless one, Antichrist being revealed. So you, take, you should take comfort in the fact that, you know, we, as Christians, we may not see the tribulation. You know, we, you know, we, as long as we're here, we're holding back what's coming, basically. Now, on a larger scale of that, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, our, our place in, you know, what the Christian's job is, really. You know, what should we do? Well, if we're here, you know, we're kind of holding back some really bad stuff that may happen. It's, it, it, the scripture says it's going to happen. And, you know, to Rich's point, you know, we talked about, um, you know, apologetics, you know, telling your story, you know, letting people know, you know, defending the gospel, if you will. And, and in my mind, that's not, that doesn't involve, you know, a, a soapbox in a street corner. It's just, this is what I think and this is why, you know. Now, you may have, you know, some deep discussions with people, but that's not the, the usual thing. Um, in fact, Stacy, somebody you know, we had, a, we had a race this past weekend, and he and I had a theological conversation amid noise and dirt and dust. <laughs> kind of out of place, but... Uh, but that's not the usual thing. You know, the usual thing is just you know, put your foot in, in front of the wheel sometimes and say, hey, you know, I don't think that, and here's, why, here's what I think should happen. Um, so I guess the, the thrust of all this is that you know, we are living in interesting times, to say the least. Um, but as Christians, we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be fearful. We shouldn't be you know, overly concerned about things because you know, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy, the Holy Spirit's here to guide and direct us and protect us and teach us. Um, I hope this is useful for you. I mean, it, it's, it's kind, of a, kind of a convoluted path, perhaps. But there's a, there's a real benefit in studying Scripture and be, be, being able to piece things together. You know, if you, if, you, if you just read Revelation, you wouldn't know the whole story. You know, if you read the whole Scripture and you can tie things together, it, it makes it... It's, understand it better, uh, and you can explain yourself better, and really not be concerned about things. As, hope that was, hope, hope it was helpful for you. Uh, that's all I got. You want to, we'll close in prayer.